0: Amen. Can we pray together? Father, God, you are worthy today. And Lord, we are so thankful. And I can just, every time I hear that song, God, I'm thinking that right now as we gather here at Union Grove and churches all around our community, all around the world are gathering right now in heaven, there's a ton of saints that are gathered around your throne right now singing, Worthy is the Lamb. And God, we can do that here today, Father. While we are here on this earth, God, we can sing praises to you because you're the only one worthy of our praise. God, you're the only one worthy of our song. And God, for every person in here, I don't know what their story is today, but Father, I pray that whatever they came into carrying maybe the the weight of this world or the baggage that this world can throw upon them, God, I pray that, that today they would realize that, God, you alone are worthy and your name is great god we love you so much we thank you that we can come in here and gather and worship you in spirit and in truth and that's our goal today father bless the remaining of this hour and all god's people said amen and amen you guys can have uh, a seat well listen good morning all right we gotta wake up hey let's try that again good morning hey it is so good uh to see you uh, here uh, at Union uh, Grove and uh, I'll tell you um, you know last week when we gathered I was talking about how cold it it was and and this week I feel like we got a little taste of a little bit of summer the last couple of days and so uh, welcome to North Carolina weather it is what it is and uh, so it is awesome but no I'm glad that you are are, are here and uh, and we are excited to, to have you I want to echo what pastor David said uh, that if this is your first time I'm here with us. Thank you so much for. Uh, for being here. We understand that you could have been in a lot of different places and you chose to worship with us today. We don't count that lightly and we are super grateful that you are here and uh, so if you did not take the time to fill out one of those new here uh, cards, let me encourage you after the service uh, grab one of those in the seat back in front of you. You can stop by our welcome center which is right outside this door back here and we'll have a volunteer there. Love to get a gift in your hands just as our way of saying thank you for being here and uh, we would also love to just further connect with you if possible and Uh, we would love the opportunity to do that. Well, listen, it is uh, good to have you uh, here. Uh, If you have your Bible today, go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, and if you're just slipping in, listen, this is a good day uh, to be here, and uh, we are in the middle of a series. In fact, we're concluding a series that we have been in uh, for all the weeks in the month of January of 2024, and the series is entitled Priorities. Priorities. Let's all say that word together, priorities, And, uh, and we are talking about different things In our relationship with Christ, that we must prioritize if we expect to grow. Uh, in our relationship with Christ. Some people might refer to what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks possibly as spiritual disciplines, Uh, things that we have to discipline ourselves on and prioritize if we are to grow. Now, none of us like, the reason why we call it priorities is not a lot of us like the word discipline, right? How many of you love that word? It's one of your favorite words to use, and I'm not talking about disciplining your kids, so put your hands down, okay? Okay. And so I know some of you are like, "Oh man, I love discipline. I, I joy, I get joy out of that, and that kind of thing." And uh, but no, when we talk about just personal discipline, it can be painful, right? So we don't like these talk to talk about spiritual disciplines because a lot of times it requires us to put some things and discipline ourselves, take some extra time on some things that we need to in order to see ourselves succeed in another area of life. Well, that's true in our, in our spiritual life. And, and here's what I want you to understand. This has been the theme of the entire uh, series is you cannot expect to thrive in your relationship with God without prioritizing it. Like You cannot expect to thrive and to have a successful relationship with Christ If it is not a priority for you. In other words, here's what I'll tell you. Is that you're not just going to wake up one day and say, wow, my relationship with God is awesome. People that have a strong relationship with God, it does not happen by accident. It happens because they have prioritized it over the years. Have you ever, you know, I've grown up around church, and so I I would hear older pastors or older members of our church, leaders in our church growing up, and I would look at them and I'd look at their faith and the way that they pray and the way that they walk with God and their faithfulness and all this kind of stuff, and I'd look at them and I'd immediately be like, man, I would love to have... You know, the faith like they have in the midst of whatever they've gone through. I'd love to have the relationship with God that, that they clearly have and are walking with. And here's what I'll tell you is every single one of those people that have been down that road would probably say it started and happened because of some disciplines or priorities that we instituted into our life along the way that gets the end result of what we're wanting. And so this series, we've talked about priorities. First week, we talked about priority of the Word of God. And so every single one of you, the Word of God needs to be something that you're in, not just on on Sunday, but you need to have the Word of God in your life every single Every single day in your own personal time. We, we had Bible reading plans that we passed out. And if you're kind of like, man, I know it's the end of January. I'd love to be a part of that. We have some in the Welcome Center. Grab one after this and start and be in the Word every day. Just give you a little bit of a guide uh, from that. Week number two, we were talking about the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer and how prayer is our opportunity to talk back to God. He speaks to us through His Word, and we can talk back to Him uh, in prayer. Last week, uh, we talked about the priority of of being generous with our time, talent, and treasure, giving of ourself away. In other words, church is not something that you come to and you just expect to be served. It's actually something that you are supposed to be serving and using your your spiritual gifts in the body. Many of you signed up to serve, and, and we're in the process as a, as a staff and, and leaders of reaching out to different people that have signed up to serve and be a part of what God is doing here. Well, today, final week of the series, we're talking about this one, the priority of church i'm going to keep it very simple the priority of church now i could have said the priority of being involved in church i could have said the priority of attending church the priority of whatever but we're just going to lump it all together and say the priority of of church now just so that i know who i'm talking to and there's absolutely no judgment in here i'm just curious how many of you grew up in church like since the day you were born your parents had you in church raise your hand okay that's a bunch of us. And, and if your hand wasn't raised, that's, don't, don't feel bad. Like, anybody's better and things like that. It's not. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. So, so if your upbringing was different and you're like, man, I never went to church and stuff, uh, that's totally fine. And uh, how many of you, your parents, though, for those that raised their hands, would say something like this? Because this was my story. They would say, we are going to be in, in church every time the doors were open. How many of you heard that phrase? Okay, Well, when I was growing up, my parents, they like followed that rule like religiously. Okay, it was a big deal. And as a kid, you don't really always always realize uh, why they're doing it. You're just kind of like, wow, it's just a place that we go and I get to hang out with my friends on the weekend as a kid, you know, and you don't really understand the value of it. But my parents were like so committed to the local church and the gathering together every time those doors were open that they would put that above anything else in my life. And I respect and I love that. and as a teenager, I didn't always understand it. This is how crazy uh, it was and how you know they were so into it. Um, I, I, love, I love sports and that kind of thing. and so I love sports. So as a middle schooler, um, I taught my parents into I would play on the school basketball team in middle school, but I would also want to, to play more. So I talked to them into letting me play community, community sports. And, and so I played community basketball uh, in the large town of Ramsor, North Carolina. And uh, if you've never been there, it's, it's a sight to see, you know. And so I played in, in Ramsor, and uh, it was so small that pretty much everybody in the town made the team. I thought I was good, but it's because hey, everybody makes the team there. And so I made the team, and, and I was all excited. So I ended up playing in and, and, uh, community sports sports. sports like my my kids play community sports so we're all into that stuff as well uh today but when I played it was the first time I'd ever really played in a non and I grew up in a Christian school so school ball they would never conflict with you know church or anything like that now I'm playing community and and now it's like we got practice on on nights of the week where it's kind of like my parents have choose here's what my parents did and I'm not kidding like we practice on Tuesday nights if we had like a revival meeting, you know, the good old-fashioned revivals that we would have like all the time, and uh, here's what they would do, they would, they would come, let me practice for a few minutes, and then they would take me from practice, and they would run me to the church, and then here was always the penalty. I, w- I was a starter, there were five kids on the team probably, and so I was one of the starters, and... Um, You'll get that later. And, uh, and here's the thing is like, I would start and here's what they would say. They would say, because you left practice early, you cannot start in the next game. Now, as a teenager, I was ticked. I was like, mom, why couldn't I have stayed? Can't we come to church late like everybody else does and, and things like that and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, but they were like, no, we're going to teach you the commitment of the assembly. Now, as we talk about this, all of us have different upbringings. All of us approach The priority of gathering differently. And here's what I want you to understand. Is really a lot of us, we lean in one of two different directions when it comes to the priority of church. For some of us, we lean toward what I'm going to call maybe more of a legalistic approach. That you think that we have to be at everything that we do. And if we miss for any reason that God is not happy with us. And the negative side to that view is this, is sometimes you start attending the assembly just to check something off your box, and you're not getting anything out of it week to week. And that's the negative side. Some of us, we lean that direction, right? Some of you, that's your upbringing. That's probably where my family, where I would have I led as a teenager, It's like, I was just there every time those doors were open, and if you judged a spiritual person by their church attendance, I was at the top of the list. But if you knew me personally, you would put me closer to the bottom of the list. And so the problem was, is when it came to the assembly of church, I was more on that legalistic, man, I'm checking it off my box, I'm a good Christian because I, I, you know, I filled my seat there on Sunday, we had pews, I filled my pew on Sunday, and that kind of thing, right? Right? So some of us lean that direction, and some of you might be in there today. But the other flip side of the whole coin is we lean far the pendulum on the other side to where we think that we don't need church and that it doesn't really do anything for us. And so what we find is everything takes priority over the assembly. In other words, that we think, man, had a long day on Saturday, and so we're just going to kind of, you know, we'll just be that online church looks really good, church in my pajamas looks awesome, my dog sitting next to me, that looks so good, and and we love it. And so what we're going to do is because of what happened then, we're going to skip for that, and next thing you know, what you find yourself is we skip church in the assembly for everything. And everything has started to take a priority over the thing because we view it, in what I would call the secular view, that church doesn't do enough for me. When the few moments that we have, here's what I want you to find. We have to find the balance in the middle of those two views for us to understand what God meant when he instituted the local church. And so I want you to know, if you're new in here, and this is possibly your first time ever, um, we're gonna, I'm going to speak a little different than I usually do. I'm going to speak very pastoral to a lot of the people that attend here every week, because this is an opportunity for, for me to really speak about the value and show you why the local church matters and why even, I'll go as far to say this, the assembly matters and should be a priority for your life. Okay, so Hebrews chapter number number ten, Hebrews chapter number number ten, um, it, it says this. Verse number nineteen, it says this: having therefore, brethren or Christian boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Now, the only reason that we can enter into, he's talking about the presence of God, and we're going to zero in on this verse a little bit later, so we're going to come back to it, but he's talking about the presence of God. The only way that you can come into God's presence is through the blood of Jesus, okay? Verse number 20, By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So then he says this. So he's talking about the access into the presence of God. How we get to know God, or how we come into the relationship with with God. And you say, what does that have to do with church? Church. Like like what if I was reading and, and the book of Hebrews? What I have to understand what you have to understand the book of Hebrews was written uh, to a, a bunch of uh, b- Jewish believers who were experiencing persecution. They were experiencing uh, different things in their faith. Some of their family members had left the faith uh, for different reasons because of persecution and stuff like that. People had started the Hebrew word or what we find here in Greek in the book of Hebrews is the word is to drift. They would start to drift away from the faith because of different things that were happening into. The their life and so he's talking about this whole thing that jesus is better than than all these other things in life in every chapter you'll see that jesus is better than than one of these different things well here in hebrews chapter 10 he's talking about jesus is the way the greater high priest of how we can come into the access to to the father how you can go to him in prayer whenever you want because of the blood of jesus if i was reading this letter I would probably, my first thought is, he's about to transition into talking about the assembly of the church. We, we see that right here in verse number uh, 24 and 25. He says, let us consider, verse 24, one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then he says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Here's the point. If I was reading this, I'd be like, what on earth Does the church and the assembling together, like what we're doing today, what does this have to do with us entering into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus? Because if you're reading this and you're just kind of working through it, you're kind of like, these are two separate thoughts. He's really talking about the gospel in the first few verses that we read, and then it's like he just flips, and now he says, because of that, We should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so here's what I want you to understand. Here's the point that he is trying to make, okay? There's a lot of reasons people don't attend church. As a pastor, I hear them all the time. You know, I talk to people um, because I am a pastor. It's so funny. Like, um, you know, for me over the years, um, if I ever go, say, I'm just out playing golf and that kind of thing, which is usually what I do on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And so I'm just kidding. a joke, all right? That's a joke. I know some of you think I only work on Sunday and Wednesday. That's fair. And so, but when I'm on the, when I'm on the golf course or something like that, um, and I'm, I'm possibly by myself, or, or if I'm with one person, what the golf course loves to do is they love to pair you with two other golfers. Now, for a bad golfer like myself, that's like the worst thing in the world right? And so you try to avoid getting paired with anybody because I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I mean, it takes a lot of guts for me to even drive onto the golf course with how bad I am. But if they pair me with people that I don't know, it's just embarrassing, you know, because you know what they're thinking. This guy's terrible. Why is he even out here? Why did he pay the money and all this kind of stuff? And so, but it's inevitable they pair me with people you know, first hole or whatever. I've lost like two or three balls by that point. And so I'm just kind of like looking for stuff. And so I talk to the guys. I'm like, hey, what do y'all do? You know, it's inevitable. And then they'll ask me what I do. And I mean, they've already kind of let out like 15 cuss words between, you know, the tee box and on. And here's what always happens. When, as pastors, we deal with this all the time. Is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't walk around. Like some people, like he'll say, what do you, what do, you do for a living? I'll say, I'm a pastor of a church. And then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> sorry. And, and he's like, you should have led with that, right? And here's the thing. I don't know why people out there think we need signs, like pastor. I am a pastor. Everywhere I go, maybe a shirt or something like that. And so, but here's what always happens in the conversation. And he'll, he'll always respond, Bill, you know, I've been really, I mean, I've been really meaning to get back in church. And I'm just kind of like, really? Like, Nels, we're talking about this or whatever. You don't have to feel guilty in front of me just because I'm a pastor. I'm not out here on the golf course to try to convince every person on there why they need to be a part of a church. But it's inevitable that sometimes when you are talking to people, that's what they think, and and they got to prove themselves. So as I've heard every excuse in the book, I've heard things like this. I am too busy to go to church, right? And some of us have skipped church because we, we're busy. We have a lot of things going on. I've heard uh, too busy, or I've heard this. This reality, for a lot of us, it's just not a priority, right? We'll attend the assembly, or we'll be together as long as everything else on my schedule doesn't take the place of it, Right? So as long as the kids and, and all their schedules, as long as different things, as long as they don't take the place of it, we're good. Or how about this? I've heard this one a lot as well. I don't attend church today. I don't gather with, with the church because I had a bad experience. You heard that, right? Somebody hurt me in the church, and so therefore, because of that hurt, I now can't trust any church, right? I can't trust any pastor or whatever, or you went through a bad church church experience, or how about this one? This one, I I love talking with this one uh, because people hate my response with this, is they'll say, I don't attend church because there's too many hypocrites in church, and when they tell me that, I'm always like, you're right, I'm one of those, and they hate that because it's just kind of like, okay, whatever, pastor, that's a spiritual answer, you know, Go go find your ball out of the woods, and so it's like, But here's the point is like we have all of these excuses of why we don't church or why we don't attend church. And here's the big idea. This is the big idea. This is what the writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to say here is this. You cannot, I'm going to definitively say this because I think it's supported by so much scripture. You cannot say that you love God and be distant or disconnected from his church. I'm going, to, I'm going to say that again. That was good. I'm going to amen myself if I have to, okay? <laughs> you cannot say that you love God and that you're growing in your relationship with God and be disconnected from his church. They work together. And that's the reason why the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about the gospel and our entrance into his presence And right after that, he talks about the church and what he instituted. And so for the few moments that I have, I want to point out three things about the church, about the gathering, to challenge every single one of us. If you take notes, you might want to write these down. This is probably the most simplistic outline that I have ever given in a sermon because I wanted this to be ultra-specific and I want this to be ultra-practical. So if you're coming for a deep you know, uh, theological sermon about the meaning of the word church or about how it started and all that kind of stuff, you're not going to get that today. I'd love to talk with you about that if you have questions. But here's the thing. I'm going to talk really practically about the church and how you and I should connect Deeply and go as in into the local church as we possibly can. And by the way, not with a legalistic approach like you feel guilt for coming or you're checking something off a box. Remember, that's not the approach that you need to take, but you need to find yourself in the middle understanding why church is valuable to you. Here's the first thing that we find about church here from this in verses 24 and 25. Number one, church. Is about, talk about simplistic, it is about gathering together. No way around it. It is about gathering together. Look at what he says in verse number 25: not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So that first phrase, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now, the word assembling is such a good word because it actually has the idea of a congregation, the meaning of it, it's where we get the word um, or synagogue or, or place of, of worship. And, and here's what I want you to understand, is the writer is saying, don't forsake. In other words, don't neglect, or we'll, we'll put it in our series terms, don't not prioritize the assembling of ourselves together. I want to talk about that word assembly. Uh, the word assembly... It literally means this. A congregation. It's where we get the word uh, synagogue. And so you kind of have to go through this series in the Greek of understanding exactly what what he means here. You have assembly. That means a congregation. So that begs the question, what in the world is a congregation? A congregation is this. A community of people. In which, this is so good, this is the definition. Don't get mad at me, this is what, what the Greek means here. The original writer, this is what he means. When he talks about a congregation, here's what he's saying. A community of people in which, the I love this, the members' lives intersect. That's what a church is. That's what the gathering is. And, and so what he's saying, when we say we are a congregation, here's what that literally means. We are a group of people that have been saved by the blood of Jesus, entrance into this presence, right? What he was just talking about. That have gathered together as a congregation. That means that we are a place where all of our lives intersect. In other words, there's a mutual relationship that happens in our church. In other words, what he's trying to say is that a church are are a group of people that gather together where we learn together, we eat together, we pray together, we fellowship together, we gather together. In other words, and I'll go as far to say this, if you're not here, our body is not complete. And and here's what I want you to understand. I've sat in church my whole life, okay? I've been in church, and, and the church that I grew up in, I mean, we went to church, like, I had Sunday school, I had Sunday morning, I had Sunday night, I had Wednesday night. We had revivals. I felt like as a teenager, like every single month. I mean, it was just like a new speaker coming in and different things. I was always at church. I went to a Christian school. We had chapel every week. I was surrounded about a lot. So a lot of times, I would hear sermons like this, and here's the immediate go-to. Remember what I said earlier, the legalistic approach? I felt immediate guilt, and then I felt like I got to do all this, and I got to do this so that I can check things off a box. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to guilt any of you. All I want you to know is that you need to be here because the body that he has assembled here, the congregation, needs you here. That's the point. So you say, why in the world should I come? Why in the world should I make church a priority? It's because the people that are sitting around you, their lives are supposed to intersect with yours. And if you're not here, that can't happen. So the way that he designed the local church to function is for all of us. Our lives should intersect. You should have relationships in the church. You should fellowship with one another. You should have friends in the church. So when you gather, you have a group of people, a congregation of people that are there that are there to help you. You need the church, and the church needs you. That's the point. You need it in your own life, and the people around you need it. And if you just don't come and you put everything in front of it, there's going to be people in our church who God has specifically gifted you in your life to intersect with that person. And you're going to miss out on that. And that person's going to miss out on it. Why? Because you chose to prioritize everything else than the assembly. That's why we got to be together. That's why we got to make this a priority, is because church, it's not to check something off of a box, but it sure is, is, is important enough to where we need to put this as a, a focal point in our family's life. And by the way, he says, we should be more committed so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what's amazing to me? I read an article a while back. It just spoke to me because as a pastor, I love to read stuff like this. And it said this. This is what the writer said. Um, he said that the people that used to say, I will be there every time the doors are open, those people are now like three times a month people. In other words, the writer was saying in his article is that the exact opposite of what Hebrews chapter 10 is challenging the church to do is exactly what our churches are doing, is that it says we should more, right, that we should be more committed to this body than ever before. You should be more committed. If you're a member at our church, you should be deeply committed more today than you were last year. And what we're finding, the article was saying, is that we actually are becoming less and less committed as the day of the Lord approaches. So he says that we should prioritize it because church is about gathering together. But number two, church, and I kind of led into this, church is about relationships. It's about relationships. I cannot undermine this. This is what the church is. You can see the nature of the church right here in this text and also throughout the whole New Testament with this phrase, one another. Can we say that together? One another. Look to your neighbor, the person next to you, say, that's you, okay? And look to the person on the other side of you and say, that's you too, okay? Listen, if you're visiting our church and you're an introvert today, I know you're never coming back, I get it. And so, like, but, hey, I don't do that every week, so don't get nervous. Don't feel like I'm going to have you talk to the people around you. And uh, my wife can't stand that. Even if I'm sitting next to her, she's like, I'm not talking to you right now because she's scared. So I'm just joking. I don't know why I said that, babe. I don't, I don't really know where that came from. But here's what I want you to understand. We'll talk, we'll talk about that over lunch later, I'm sure. So here's the thing. is like one another, One another. Every time you see the church, it is this idea of mutuality. It's mutual that we are to be in relationships with one another. Here's the point. Church is not about coming and being served. Now, this is where it gets real. This is what we talked about last week. Because here's what I've found. I've been in church my whole life i found there's a ton of people that just feel like church is just them occupying a seat in their pew or a seat in their chair. And that's it. And that the pastoral staff, they do all the work. You have the deacons who serve and and whatever. And and that's kind of the, the nature of what the church should look like. I'll tell you this, and we talked about this in detail last week. That is not the way the New Testament church paints how it should look like. The New Testament church is about all of us gathering together. And Ephesians chapter 4 is my job here is to equip every single one of you to do the work of the ministry. That means that a successful, healthy church is not ran by just a pastoral staff. Now, they might be a great pastoral staff, but if you show me a church where the pastors do all of the work, I will show you a church that does not model the New Testament. It's not the way it's designed to be. So if you come up to me and say, Pastor, I got a great idea. I don't want you to be upset when I say, Man, that's so good. It sounds like God's birthed that idea in you. Why don't you run with it? No, you're supposed to do that. I thought, I thought you were supposed to do all the work. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to be ugly with you. I'm just trying to show you from the New Testament, this is an opportunity for all of us to use our gifts. This church is not built upon me. It's not. I love the opportunities that I can get completely out of the way. I love when, when you lead. I love when I see you using your gifts. I love when people call you with questions, right? Not because I don't like to be approached. I love to be approached. But here's the thing. I love when people in our church are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do the work of of the ministry. You see, that's the point here. And and notice the progression, 19 to 23 of our our text, talks about access to the presence of God. And, And here's what I want you to know is in the Old Testament, uh, we just did a series on the tabernacle, so you guys that attend on our Wednesday night Bible study, you would know this. But the Old Testament, God created a tabernacle, and the purpose of the tabernacle was so that he could dwell amongst his people. That's where the presence of God was, okay? when well, the Old Testament, you had you know the tabernacle, you had the outer court that all the Jews could go in. And that kind of thing. Then there was this inner part of the tabernacle that there were two sections for it. The first section was called the holy place. And then there was an inner section called the holy of holies or the most holy place. And the only one, that's where the presence of God dwelt, right? There on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where what was in there. And the only person that could go into the actual presence of God was the high priest. And he could only go once a year. Day of atonement. And he could only go there, the presence of God was only accessed by one person, right? And here, the book of Hebrews is saying that when Jesus came and died for us on the cross, the veil that separated everyone, all the Jews and everybody else, the veil that separated them from the presence of God was torn. In other words, it is no more. And the significance there is because of the death of Jesus, now if you trust in Jesus as your Savior, you can now access to the presence of God. Every single one of us. We can come into his presence. We don't need a priest anymore. We don't need anybody else. We can come into his presence. So now we have access, but then in verse 24, 25, he talks about how we experience the access. Now, yes, you can go into the presence of God Whenever you want. But here's the significance of why the writer put, put access and church together. is because Christ meets with us and teaches us about himself through one another. That's the significance of why he put these two things together. What I showed you last week is that when you use your gift, your spiritual gift, You teach me something about God. Like, I put several people up on stage last week and I just specifically mentioned they teach me about God in this way. And that's what the church should be. So for those that are Christians, you have a spiritual gift that God has blessed you with. And here's why you need to make church a priority, where this needs to come before a lot of things. Not because uh, it makes you more spiritual or it checks things off boxes. Forget all of this stuff. The reason why this needs to be a priority for you is because here is where you teach the rest of us about God. And this is where I get the opportunity to teach you about God. And that the people around you, you can learn about God through them. And the people in your Bible fellowship classes, you can learn about God through them. You see, every single one of us as Christians, we are carriers of Christ one to another. If you're a Christian, you're a carrier of Christ. So if you're attending services and you're not in relationships with people in the local church, you are not fully obeying what the writer is telling you to do, what the church is. Because we have to do this together. Practicing this, it's more than sitting in a seat every Sunday. It takes effort. And he mentions some things about what it looks like. Here's what the body should look like. He mentions in verse number 24, the word consider. He says, let us consider one another. You say, what in the world does the word consider mean? right? And, and here's what it means. It means that here in the church, we should think about someone that might not be as far in their journey with God as you are. And so when we consider them, here's what that means. What can I do to help that person take a step spiritually? That, that's what he means when he says, hey, consider one another. In the local assembly, we should consider people. Hey, that person just got saved and they're new to the faith, and they're just now starting their journey, how can I help them grow? You know what the church is really good about? Is we judge people based on where they are at the, on their journey. We're really good about pointing out everybody that's not as far along on, as, as we are on our journey. Man, I love when people tell me that because I'll say, you just proved that you're behind them on their journey when you start judging people. Here's the point, is we shouldn't judge people to try to get them to take steps in their faith. No, we should consider them. What can we do in our giftedness by God and the Holy Spirit of God? What can we do to help them take a step? Consider people, and then he says verse number 24 as well. He says consider, but then he says to provoke unto love and to good works. So not only are we supposed to consider one another, we're supposed to provoke one another. You say, what does that word mean? Some translations use this word, the word spur. A spur is is on a horse rider's boots that, that the rider will use to inflict a little bit of pain onto the horse so that it will go where the rider wants them to go. The word provoke actually means in the Greek, it means to irritate. Now some of you are great at this with me. <laughs> it's not, not in the way that we think of the word irritate, right? Here's what the word means when we think irritate. Don't think of our English word. Think of it this way is what it means in Greek is, is to confront. Now, like we're, we're terrible because at confronting about things, right? And here's what, what he's saying is we should consider those who, who need to take steps on their journey. How can we help them grow spiritually? But not only that, we should provoke them. In other words, we should try to love them and help them take the steps that they need. We should be able, for those who are spiritually mature in this place, you should be able to help people, not out of a, a judgmental spirit, but be able to provoke people. And the result of that, when you irritate, when you confront people, The result is love and good works. He says another word, verse number 25. He says, exhort one another. This is like the opposite of the word provoke. This word carries on the idea of placing yourself in someone else's shoes. It has the idea of empathy. It it, it carries on the idea of you should, as you do life with one another in the local church... That you should encourage and exhort, look for opportunities. I love our church because I think our church really practices this. Like, I I mean, I'm a little bit, you know, I I mean, I'm fairly young compared to some of you, but I'm 38 years old, okay? And so, you know what I don't think about a lot? I don't think about cards. If I'm going to tell you something, I'm probably going to send you a text, in fact, there's a few of you who love to call me, and I'm probably going to not answer and then text you back. Like that's just how I, I do. I'm just joking, and so, but you know who you are. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. But I don't think of cards a lot. I'm just hey I'll, hey, thanks for what you do. Send a text, and you're good. But you know what I love? It's like all the time I come to come to the office, and, and there'll be a card there. Someone has taken the time to write me a a card. And put like a $1,000 in I'm just joking. <laughs> all right. I'm getting a little off subject here. And so, but here's the thing, is they'll write me this really nice thing, and, and I read this, and I'm just like ecstatic. I have a little space where I put all my cards. Because when I'm down, I, you know, when some of you are spurring me and irritating me, I read those cards. <laughs> but my point is, you're using the gift of exhortation, the gift of encouragement, to bring encouragement. You guys are sending cards left and right. We talk about this all the time. I mean, many of you have probably received a card from Lori Beard at some point, right? Like, we received that. What, what is that for? Why is that important? It's because you have somebody who says, you know what? I understand the assembling together, and I'm going to use my gift to exhort and to consider and to provoke one another because that's what the local church does. Last thing, number three, and we're done. Church is about a This one's simple. Church... Is about a group of people that have been changed by the gospel. That's what it is. So, so you have, here's a very simplistic outline. Church is about us gathering together, right? And by the way, it's not about a building. It's about a people. It's not about this building, right? It's about you. It's about me. So we gather together. Church is about one another. It's about relationships, and then the third thing that I want you to see here from Hebrews chapter 10, church is about a group of people that have been changed by the gospel. That's the, that's the reason for, for access. You see, when Jesus died, and remember this, like without going into too much detail because we just did a series on this, but if you remember, that high priest could only go into the presence of God one time a year, the Day of Atonement. And what he would do, there was this whole ritual on the Day of Atonement. And as he went in, he would offer sacrifice, blood sacrifice. And what he would do is he would kill these innocent animals. And as he would take their blood, he would take it into the presence of God. And he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it over the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelt. And you know why he did it? They had to sacrifice an animal to appease and to satisfy a holy God for the sins of the nation of Israel. That's why he did it. So so you say, what does Jesus have to do with this? When Jesus came... The Messiah had finally come when he came, and the reason he came was to die as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. So just as the blood of an innocent animal carried the weight and satisfied the wrath of God for the nation of Israel... Jesus Christ in himself, he satisfied the wrath of God that you deserved and that I deserve. The wrath that with us we could never do. The scripture says that on your very best day, you fall short of satisfying the wrath of God. In other words, the harder you try, you still fall short. And that's every single one of us. That's myself. That's the pastor in front of you. That's everyone around you. There's not a person in here worthy of the presence of God. It took the sacrifice of a perfect lamb, the lamb of God, to satisfy the wrath of a perfect God. And so when Jesus died for you and me, that veil The New Testament calls a wall of partition. That wall has been completely torn down So now if you trust in Jesus by the blood of the Lamb, you have access into the presence of God. And that's who all of us are. Every single one of us that are a part of this church, it's only by the blood of Jesus that we're a part of this. And, And here's the good news that I want you to know. Because we all came to Him the very same way, is that none of us can say that we deserve to be here. There I'll go as far as to say there's no ranks in our church. There's no ranks and I know we got staff and different things, but the point is is there's no ranks here. I don't care I don't care I mean I mean this respectfully, I don't care how long you've been a part of our church. We all are here the very same way, and none of us deserve to be here. None of us deserve to be a part of this. It's only by the blood of Jesus that any of you sit in here today. And so I say that the only way to be a part of the church is through trusting in the blood of Jesus that his sacrifice paid the way So that you could have a relationship with him. And when you trust in that, the wall in between you and God, that veil has been torn. You can come into the presence of God. You can be a part of a local church. You can start, because God's gifted you through the Holy Spirit of God, you can start one anothering one another in this place. And you can start using your gift to teach those around you about who God is. That's what the local church is. It's not about numbers. It's not about attendance. It's about the gospel. And when we see that the gospel is the only reason for any of us to be here, and we see the length of what God, what Jesus went through to purchase and to make a way for you to sit here, you'll prioritize it. We'll put it as a priority in our life. Church should be a priority in your life. Listen, I'll say this in closing, and I mean this I know several years ago when COVID happened, I wasn't even the pastor here, but I was at a church in Florida. When COVID happened, it was so wild, right? Because everything that we've learned about the church of the importance of gathering kind of stopped, right? We could, we could not do, we couldn't get together as much. And there were all these different things and stuff like that. And you know what that taught me as much as anything else is this, And I know churches everywhere. We instituted a lot of online stuff. We're figuring out what online church looks like and all that kind of stuff. But here's what I want you to know. It's 2024. Online church is not the same as what happens here. I'm going to definitively say that. And here's the thing. Here's what online church is for. I'm grateful for it, and I'm thankful we have a production team that's firing this out everywhere. We have tons of shut-ins in our community, who can't physically be here, and that is perfect for them. We have people on vacation and, and things like that and, and, and that cannot be here, and online is perfect for them. And, and I think it is a great opportunity for stuff like that. It is a great front door for people who, in our community who are thinking about trying our church out, and so they jump online and they watch a service online before they come in. I think it's awesome for stuff like that, and I'm grateful for it, and I'm all for it. I think it's a good thing. But for you that can gather in person and that you can be here, whatever, what that provides for you is not what Hebrews 10 says we are to be doing with one another. And I want you to know this, that we were built, churches were built, to meet together as a congregation by the blood of Jesus to be mutual and have relationships with one another, that is what the church is created to be. So if you're in here today and you say, okay, I get it, what's the next step? I'm going to be very clear with you. The first next step for every single one of us is we need to be here. Attend. Make this a priority. This should be high up on your list. Sundays, make it a thing. You know, one thing for me, I don't like to be out late Saturday night. If like you've ever invited me place, so I like to be home early on Saturday. Why? Because I want to be at my best Sunday. I don't want to spend half my night like I'm regretting it today because I stayed up too late watching basketball last night. And half the time, basketball right now is giving me a heart attack. It's not worth it. <laughs> and here's what I'll tell you: is like all that kind of stuff. What what your next step might be. You might need to put this as a priority and kind of limit some other things to make sure that you are ready to go. And that when you wake up on Sunday morning, you're not like, wow, it was a long day yesterday. Online church looks good today. Because you got to understand, it is about gathering together. For some of you, you've been gathering. And here's what your next step is. Starting point. You say, what is starting point? Starting point is like what we call membership class. I'm pumped. We have like seven or eight families coming tonight. I'm super excited about it because these are families who are like, okay, I've been attending and now I want to take a step into deeper connection and plugging into this church. Talking about membership, talking about serving, talking about joining a Bible fellowship class, all these different things. Those are ways that we go deeper into the local church so that we can practice what Hebrews chapter 10 says. Some of you, that's where you need to be. If you've been attending and you're like, man, I've just kind of put off starting point or possibly you've been a member, like attending for a long time, I love starting point because sometimes there's people. I've been attending Union Grove for two years and never became a member. That's fine. And then there's other people like, ah, this morning was my first day. And so I love, I love it all. If you've been attending for any length of time, maybe your next step is I am going to go deeper. I'm going to go deeper into a local church, and it might be out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to put myself out there for the church. For some of you. Here's the next step for you. It could be a Bible fellowship class. On your way in today, you received a brochure. Okay, Hopefully all of you received a brochure and they have our Bible fellowship classes on there. And here's what I want you to know. Is you say, why in the world would we put that in everybody's hands today? It's because Bible fellowship is the next step for you to actually get around people and know them. Our Bible fellowship class, they're so close. They're so close relationally because they get together. They want another one another so well. That's what our classes are for. I love the Sunday morning service like this. I love it. But you know what this is not good for? This is not good for relationship building, is it? You remember churches, like we used to do this um, back in the day. You remember churches give you like seven seconds to kind of run around, got to talk to everybody and stuff real quick. Hey, go greet someone around you, that kind of thing. Here's what, what that was never good for. You didn't walk around saying, hey, tell me about your week. Tell me, tell me about your family. Hey, I've been praying for you. Tell me, tell me about that. You, that's not for that because you have like 10 seconds and you got to run around real quick before the music starts. Here's the point. This large gathering, we probably have 300 plus people in this room right now. This is not made for you to one another and for you to build relationships with people. That's why we ask you to step out of these rows and into a smaller group of people that we call Bible fellowships. Depending on your church background, they could be called groups, they could be called whatever. But depending on that is, we want you to step out of the row where you can slip in, nobody knows who you are, and we want you to go to a Bible fellowship class so that you can be cared for and that you can use the gift of God that he's birthed in your heart so that you can care for the people around you. For some of you, you need to look today, the next step, look at that brochure and be a part of one. Next Sunday, we are going to one. It's good for your kids, it's good for your family. Then the fourth thing, if you weren't here last week, serve, serve. Every single one of you has a gift. You say, I'm too old to serve. Listen, if you're still breathing, God still wants to do something in you. He does. Age doesn't matter. If you're a teenager in this place and you call our church home, guess what? There's a place for you. You don't have to wait till you're an adult and married to start serving in our church. No, be a part of what God is doing right now. I love to see the variety of ages serving in our church because we are a church for the whole family. We're not just for senior adults. We're not just for young families. We're not just for teenagers. Our church is for everybody. And that's what we need to do. So we need you using your gifts. If that's you today, come find one of us and say, I need to start using my gift. I've sat on the sideline. I've filled a pew. I've filled a seat for too long. I'm now going to find out where I'm giftedness. It might be the choir. It might be the praise team. It, it might be a greeter somewhere. It might be the parking lot. It might be security. It might be medical. It might be our kids ministry or our student ministry. Wherever it is, it could be outreach. It could be grief share. It could be all the different things that we have. There's a lot of options. And here's what I know. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus in this place, meaning you have access to God, then you are a Christ carrier to other people. And my job is to challenge you to take what Christ has done in you and to use it. That's my job. And so listen, whatever your next step is, just take it and we can help you. Let's pray. Let's all stand in here. Music's going to play. I'm not going to prolong the invitation. Maybe you're in here today and you say, Cool. Church has not been a priority for us as a family. And that's going to change today. Maybe you need to come to an altar. Here today, this altar is wide open. And maybe that's the commitment that you need. That's the step that you need, that you need to just commit a little deeper into what God is doing here. I'm going to pray. And if God speaks to you, you come. Father, I love you. I'm grateful for your church. And the only reason why any of us could be here is because you shed your blood for undeserving people like myself. Lord, I pray that today would be an opportunity for families to evaluate, for families to evaluate with their kids, and just to say, like, are we prioritizing the assembling? Are we prioritizing the congregation of being here? Or are we putting everything else before it? God, let us make your church a priority. We love you for it's in your name. If God speaks to you, you come. Nobody's looking around. This is just a time for you to do business with God.